Hey folks, on Thursday, after weeks of turmoil at the Justice Department, Trump associate Roger Stone was sentenced to 40 months in prison. Meanwhile, President Trump appointed Richard Grinnell, his current ambassador to Germany, as the new acting director of national intelligence, raising concerns about his lack of experience. And just yesterday, of course, more than two years after allegations of sexual abuse against Harvey Weinstein helped to spark the Me Too movement, the disgraced movie producer was found guilty on two of the five charges he faced in New York. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And now, students with a valid EDU email address qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. Big news yesterday. Yes. Harvey Weinstein convicted on two of five counts. I should remind people that Ann Milgram, not only a uh, a teacher, professor at NYU Law School, not only the former attorney general of the state of New Jersey, as you all know, but some may forget, some may forget that you served as an assistant district attorney in the Manhattan DA's office, including, in among other places, the Sex Crimes Unit Division. Yep, Sex Crimes Bureau. The Sex Crimes Bureau, which is the bureau that prosecuted Harvey Weinstein. So I'm going to take a back seat, ask you what you think, ask you to explain things to folks. So first, was justice done? Yes, I think very much so. I mean, if we really step back and think about it, there were two lead victims in the case, Miriam Haley and Jessica Mann. There were convictions of Weinstein on both victims. And, you know, I don't know how you felt about this as a federal prosecutor, because I think a lot fewer cases go to trial in the federal system. But as a state prosecutor, one of the first things you learn is a conviction on any count is a conviction. A conviction is a conviction is a conviction. And so here, Harvey Weinstein was convicted and found guilty. And he was found guilty as to each of the two lead victims for the main charges in the indictment. And so it was a really, really important day. And I I do think justice was done. So can we go through them? Yeah. Because not everyone is, and, and I'm one of the people who's not so familiar with these particular statutes. And people have a general understanding of what rape means or what sexual assault means. He was convicted of these two counts, criminal sexual act in the first degree with respect to Haley and rape in the third degree with respect to the other victim, man. Right. The more serious of the two is the criminal sexual act in the first degree. And that, I have the statute in front of me, but then you can explain what this means. A person is guilty of criminal sexual act in the first degree when he or she engages in oral sexual conduct or anal sexual conduct on the... I apologize for the graphic nature of this, but that's what the crime was. With another person, one, by forcible compulsion, or two, who is incapable of consent by reason of being physically helpless, and then the the other provisions relate to people who are underage. That didn't apply here. So why was he convicted of criminal sexual act in the first degree? So this count relates to Miriam Haley, and the allegation was that in 2006 in Weinstein's apartment that he forced oral sex on her. And so that's what she testified to at the trial, and that's the basis for that conviction. What everyone's asking is, what can he get? On that count alone, he can get five—the mandatory minimum is five years, the maximum is 25. So no matter what, he does five? No matter what, he does five. And the judge has no discretion? The judge has no discretion. Do you have a he prediction? Will, uh, you know, I think, well, we can talk about this as we go on, but 
he was convicted of two counts. My experience is when you have sex crimes victims and there are multiple convictions on different for each victim that the judge will sentence on each victim in my experience. So consecutively, so they'll consecutively, be end, end to end, exactly. not, not concurrent. Yes, that, that's my experience. And, and right. all, all judges can be different. Do you but know anything about this judge? I know he's tough, yep. Judge Burke. And I'll say, I think he tried a good case. He did not allow a lot of woof and quack in the courtroom. And <laughs> we can talk about it, but there was... Is that, a, did you ever make that objection? Objection, basis, woof and quack. There, were, there was a <laughs> lot of gamesmanship in this. This was a very, very hard oh, I wanted, trial. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that, but let's go, let's go to the second count. So anyway, on the second count, yeah. he can do pro probation to four years, the but, judge so, But let's sentence. talk about what that is. Yes. Because I'm confused. That's rape Because it sounds very serious, rape in the third degree. It is very serious. But it carries less of a potential sentence as criminal sexual act in the first degree. And rape in the third degree, according to the statute, a person is guilty of rape in the third degree in New York when he or she engages in sexual intercourse with another person without such person's consent, where such lack of consent is by reason of some factor other than incapacity to consent. That sounds... Why is that third degree as opposed to something more serious? Yeah, so I think I think there's two points to be made. The first is that this is the sort of catch-all rape provision, meaning that it was non-consensual sex, that there was someone who was put in a position where they did not consent to have sex and, and their will was essentially overborne. And it's used to capture the more sort of forms of coercion, different types of coercion. And rape one is physical force or threat of force. The question you're asking is... So is it murky for people? Is it easy for jurors to understand? You know, I think it is easy for jurors to understand. I mean, it really comes down to every rape case comes down to consent. And some cases are straightforward. And I think one of the issues with rape crimes frankly, is that people sort of think about rape as the use of force or um, the threat of force, and it's not always that way. In fact, frequently it isn't. Um, It's often more of coercion or, you know, a victim is afraid that if they don't comply, something bad will happen to them. Here, it really is this question of did these women consent? And remember that a lot of the testimony at trial was basically, this relates to Jessica Mann, and this is a 2013 assault where she basically said, he forced me to have sex with him and he physically forced me and I was intimidated by his size and I felt enormous pressure. Like he basically he was going to ruin my life and my career if I didn't comply. And so the jury was given rape one and rape three. So when we talk about those two counts and right. they convicted on rape three, not on rape one. And they didn't even hang on rape one. Are you a little bit surprised? Because the jury came back on Friday saying we are unanimous as to some counts, but not others. Did you have some surprise that they weren't hung on the other count, that they had a clear, unanimous, not guilty of rape one, clear, unanimous, guilty on rape three? Is that a, is that a compromise in some way? or it, it could be. We don't we don't know the inside of the jury. And so it could be that they were unanimous, that they weren't convinced that there was actual force. Or it could be that they compromised and some people believe that there was force, some people. But here what we know is everyone unanimously agreed in the jury that Jessica Mann did not consent to have sexual intercourse with Harvey Weinstein. I want to go back for one second, though. Just think about the sentence for a second. I think it's worth talking about this. I don't agree with the sentencing range for the e-felony rape three. And I don't agree with it because I think so many sexual assault crimes are like this. It's a lot more like human trafficking where attackers and predators use only the amount of force necessary to overcome someone's will. And so the fact that the law sees such a difference in terms of accountability for actual physical force versus coercion or fear that doesn't necessarily amount to fear that you're going to be seriously injured, the fact that that's only probation to four years, I personally do not agree with. And so I would just say you're asking the question why they're different, and I would argue that they shouldn't be as different as they are. Was another complicating factor here that the victim in the rape three charge, Jessica Mann, conceitedly had 
an ongoing relationship that was consensual some of the time, does that become difficult for prosecutors to argue rape one or three or, or some other sexual misconduct when there is a conceitedly consensual relationship of some nature? Absolutely. And remember that this is very common in sexual assault cases. It is one of those things where there are a variety of reasons, and they had an expert, the government, the prosecutors had an expert testify to why this happens, but victims of sexual assault, they do sometimes go back to their attacker. And so the defense used it very effectively, I thought, here to basically say, this wasn't rape. This was a transactional agreement that the women were engaged in sex because they wanted something from Harvey Weinstein. And the way you know that is that they went back and had consensual sex. And so what the government basically argued, and actually Jessica Mann said this on the stand, I thought really effectively was just because I engaged in this relationship with him after doesn't mean he didn't rape me on this day, on the first day. Look, there's been controversy with respect to some judicial nominees, I think, over time, because there are some people who take the view erroneously both, I think, ethically and with respect to common sense and also under the law, that a husband can't rape his wife. Right. That's right. And that's just not true. Yeah. I mean, so these are these are obviously tough cases to try, but this is very consistent with what you see when you work with sexual assault victims. And I give the jury a huge amount of credit for understanding and for finding Weinstein guilty related to both of these victims. So we've talked about the two guilty counts. We've talked about the rape one with respect to man on which there was a, an acquittal. Then there are two other counts both called predatory sexual assault involving one, Haley and Shiora, Annabella Shiora, the actress, and the other involving Mann and Shiora. Why do you think that there was an acquittal on those and how serious were those charges? Okay, so the way I see this, and I actually think that the media missed a lot of this yesterday and today in, in the coverage of it because I think the sort of lead story is he's acquitted on three charges, convicted on only two. Whereas I think that the lead story really is that Harvey Weinstein was convicted and, and found guilty. And if you and I had talked about this two weeks ago, I would have said a couple of things about the predatory sexual offender charges. The first is that they initially were not included, that they were brought as part of this back and forth between the government and the judge over having Molyneux witnesses. Molyneux witnesses, that's a case, People versus Molyneux. And that's when you have uncharged crimes, prior bad acts, where you have witnesses come to a court and testify about them, even though they're not charged in the current offense. And so there were three of those witnesses that testified in the Weinstein trial. There were also a number of them that testified in the Bill Cosby case. And there they're important because they show they were used here to show a pattern, to right. show that Weinstein had an MO, that he always follows the same pattern, and they're not allowed in to show Weinstein did it before with these other women, so he did it here. They're right. only or allowed propensity. in. Exactly. Um, and in the federal system, we would call that 404B evidence. Exactly. Right. And they're very, very similar. So there was initially a conversation about whether Annabella Shura could be a Molyneux witness, to which the defense objected, saying, look, she could be charged. Like, there's a legitimate charge here on first-degree rape. She's claiming first-degree rape. And so... And so they were arguing, don't don't backdoor it. Exactly. In you, witness testimony. You need to front door Step it. up, yes. Step yes. up to the plate. And charge it in its own right. And the judge agreed. And so the government went back, and there's a superseding indictment, and they added these predatory charges. So they so added the charges on which he got acquitted. If you ask me, yeah. yes, they added them. And, yeah. and so one of the predatory, to, in order to find the predatory sexual offense, you have to have two first-degree convictions. There are a couple of other ways to get there, but here the applicable part of the statute is that there are two victims um, for which the defendant is guilty of first-degree crimes. So remember— Even for one crime. Yes. So remember on Haley, there's a first 
first-degree criminal sexual act conviction. Man, there isn't. It's a third-degree rape. So the man charge, they could not have even considered the predatory sexual Just assault. automatically. Automatically. By operation of law. Exactly. Okay. So that's out. And then the second piece is, so then it comes to Annabelle Shura and Haley, and that was where they had to decide, was Annabelle Shura a victim of first-degree rape? Now, a couple of points. One is, the reason to have included this offense and the reason why I believe that the government did, I have no inside information, but it's to get Shiora's testimony in as completely yeah. as possible, to have zero limits on it. She can testify soup to nuts as a rape victim. Some people would say it was among the most compelling pieces of testimony at the trial. The fundamentals of her testimony were what? I think it was compelling. I think it's also really complicated because remember that she wasn't charged as a separate victim here because it's out of the statute of limitations. And it was, she had some difficulty remembering what year it was, but it came down to, she thought, 1993 or right. 1994. So that's, And she, so th there was, at that time, at the time of the attack on, the alleged attack on Annabella Sciorra, there was a certain statute of limitations on rape but not on predatory sexual assault? Right. That's interesting. That's but that's right. changed yeah, since. That's changed since. Although there's still some rape crimes for which there is a statute of limitations, but rape one, for example, there is no statute now. The thing to, to think about with the Annabelle Shiora is that it was a very long time ago. And what's interesting is that the jury didn't have the choice of rape three. Right. And so it's a really interesting question in my mind. If if it was within the statute and they could have done more of what they did with Jessica Mann, would they have convicted of rape three? My guess is yes. But I, I don't know that for sure. Right. So, so explain to people, we talk about modern juries as being the CSI generation, and they expect DNA and fingerprints and all sorts of scientific evidence. And that's what they learn from TV shows and from movies. In all of these incidents charged here, many of them from a long time ago, no physical evidence, correct? That's right. This was all witness testimony. Yes. How unusual is it in the modern era to convict on these kinds of charges without physical evidence? It is very hard. Look, I mean, these cases are he said, she said, similar to domestic violence cases, similar to some types of human trafficking, although with human trafficking, there's often a lot more witnesses. But with these types of cases, you have often two people in a room. One person says it's consensual. The other says it's not. Now, the purpose of DNA, and for example, you know, if a rape victim came in, they would get often a sexual assault kit, and that would let you figure out was there trauma, was there injury consistent with a sexual assault. And so that kind of evidence, along with DNA, it helps. Another type of evidence that helps a lot is outcry evidence. And here, that was also complicated. What's that? So it's when someone who's a victim of a crime immediately says to someone, oh my God, I was raped. And so here, there's an interesting example with Annabella Shiora who outcries to Rosie Perez, but she says, I think I was raped. And she doesn't name her assailant. She names her assailant months later. And so- But months later. Months later. Not decades later. No, not decades later. And so it's important and powerful evidence. It's also, it was not quite as clean as like a lot of times in a sexual assault case, the ideal is to have DNA, is to have a rape kit, to have an immediate outcry, to get the clothing off the victim immediately. I mean, that's the sort of best case scenario. What made this case a viable case, and I want to be really clear in saying how hard of a case this is, and the lead prosecutor, Jonah Luzzi, in my view, did an amazing job. She was the lead prosecutor in the Atan Pates case, the young boy who went missing and his body was never found. That was tried as a cold case many years later. She's an exceptional prosecutor and lawyer, in my view. What made it viable was having more than one victim and having the ability to charge both Haley and Mann and Shiora, and then to get those Molyneux witnesses in. And that's what made this case a viable case. I had, uh, by happenstance, Ronan Farrow on the Stay Tuned podcast last week. I heard. It was a great interview. And so, uh, yeah, he was very interesting. And he obviously is one of the forces for bringing to the fore issues with respect to the Me Too movement, along with others like Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey and others. 
But the three of them really deserve so much credit for they breaking do. these stories. Now, remember, there was a lot of criticism of the Manhattan DA's office two years ago, two years plus, for not having brought a potential case against Harvey Weinstein. Taking a step back for a moment, do you think that the world has changed and that part of the reason this case was brought was because of the Me Too movement and because of the attention paid to it? You know, it's such a, it's such a good question. I mean, my, my view is I would have moved forward against Harvey Weinstein on the earlier case. And I don't want to sit in judgment of, of the DA because I think you and I have talked about this. Yeah. You know, we don't know all the evidence. We don't know all the facts. Some of it is public, but we've both made tough calls in those chairs. And so it can be difficult to sort of look back. But my feeling based on what I know is I would have moved forward with that case. So here... I think the Me Too movement is not just this case, but a lot of other cases. I think a lot of prosecutors are going to bring tougher cases now. And part of it is one of the things that Me Too has done is socialized all of us across the country to an under a better understanding of sexual assault and the, the imbalance of power that has allowed people like Weinstein and others to get away with it, frankly, for a really long time. And so I think it does make it different that there's been this sort of I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.